0: A rainbow in the sky, every time you see it, it's not to promote wickedness and uh, sexual perversion. Uh, The colors of the rainbow were to promise to never do that again to
1: the earth. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, welcome back to In
0: Grace. This is Jim Scudder, and today we will continue our series: "Is the Old Testament Obsolete?" And we're going to be talking more today about Genesis chapter seven, and we're talking about the flood of Noah. Where did all the water come from? We'll be finishing a message that we started yesterday about this important topic, and we're going to take you back out to the Answers in Genesis full-size ark and get some explanations on this from Ken Ham's son-in-law, Bodie Hodge, about where did the water come from. So I'm excited. About today's In Grace, and I know that you are as well. We also are excited because this Saturday we're going to be in Mitchell, South Dakota. We have music, we have food, we have fellowship. I'll be preaching a message about the end times, and we want to meet you. So, those of you that are in the area of North and South Dakota, I know big, big states, but we're going to be in Mitchell at the Corn Palace. I've never been to the Corn Palace. Everyone says I need to go. It's kind of a landmark, so I'm excited about going, bringing our InGrace team, and it's a free event. We would love to invite you to come and get to know us a little bit more and have a wonderful time there at the Corn Palace. So go to our website and get your free ticket. It's InGraceRadio.com, InGraceRadio.com. We're also going to be out in Phoenix, Arizona in February. You can get your free ticket at the same website, InGraceRadio.com. Let's talk, though, about the fountains of the great deep, and we've done a series called The Tour of Noah's Ark. We went to northern Kentucky, and we talked to the Ark Encounter, one of the, the people that were there since the beginning, Bodie Hodge, the son-in-law of Ken Ham, and he gave us a tour of the Ark. Here's a clip from the In Grace episode, A Tour of Noah's Ark.
2: We're going through some of the phases of the flood. Here we have the initial onset of the flood. On the 17th day of the second month, the springs of the Great Deep burst forth. And so we see these massive amounts of water then shooting forth.
0: I think a lot of people miss that because you're thinking those flood is rain. Right. Which it was, but it, it wasn't right. just rain because they say, well, there's, there'd be never enough
2: water to cover the whole world. That's right, and that's a common question that we get quite often. So what it is, is you're getting a lot of the water from the earth itself is being shot up. That's probably what triggered a lot of the rain. Well, The Bible says the springs of the great deep burst forth and the windows of heaven were open. And so you're getting a multitude of ways that this rain is coming down. Now I've had people say, well, do we have enough water to cover the entire earth? Actually we do, we have plenty of water. If you take the, the ocean basins and bring them up, you take the mountains and the continents and you bring them down to about a level, we have enough water to cover the entire Earth about 1.6 miles deep. Wow. So there's plenty of water there.
0: So you're saying that the highest mountains were thrust up during or after the flood? Yeah, by probably late
2: tectonics. Probably during and after that, uh-huh. that. You know, different ones at different times. We know the mountains of Ararat were pushed up by the time that the Ark landed in them on the 150th day. So we have the flood beginning and then we have 40 days and nights of rain. That's the initial rainfall, races up the arc. And then we continue to see the water prevail. And we see that sort of thing. Water levels rise globally. We see probably all sorts of landslides, so, tsunamis. So not all of a
0: sudden, all the animals and all the humans are dead, but right. they will be. And you can see evidence of, of tracks, right? Right. Of animals we trying do. to escape. We
2: see a lot of tracks of creatures, particularly lower in the fossil record. You get to a certain point and you don't find them anymore. We actually expect that. The Bible says on the 150th day, all the land-dwelling, air-breathing animals that breathe through their nostrils had died.
0: So what we're seeing in the world, we're seeing the, the plates, the tectonic movement of continents. We, we see them moving today. We observe them. We know that they collided in, uh, in really uh, fast and hard ways and thrusting up mountains. What would have been a trigger for that? Evolution doesn't have that trigger. Uh, Creation does because uh, somebody that believes in creation also believes in the Genesis flood. And if the fountains of the great deep were opening, that would have been the trigger for this massive continental movement, rapid movement, and eventually subduction of the plates and kind of a runaway subduction that would have been happening. This would have been causing waters to come and flood over the continent. And I say continent because I believe that there was probably one continent. Most people do. Most geologists believe there was a a single continent originally, and the continents that we see today have broken off from that. We have a clue of this in Revelation 21. In verse 1, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Today, the seas divide us, the Pacific, the Atlantic, the oceans are dividing people groups today. Originally in creation, and I believe at the reset of the creation and the new heaven and the new earth, there's going to be a resumption of this one continent. Not to say there weren't any oceans, but the oceans would have not been dividing the continents and the people groups. It would have been one uh, giant continent, probably with shallow seas within that continent, okay? So the breaking up of this Pangea, this massive supercontinent, is totally explained by the fountains of the great deep opening. Look at Genesis verse 11 of chapter 7. In the 600th year of Noah's life, now that's kind of a cool uh, stat, right? And Noah's 600, Of course, we know he lived longer, much longer after that. Early humans lived much longer. In the second month, in the 17th day of the month, isn't the Bible accurate? It gives so many details, and I love that, that we can uh, verify Scripture because uh, God gives us these details. The same day were all the, here it is, fountains of the great deep broken open. So it wasn't just rain, and that's what people don't understand. When we talk about the flood, it wasn't 40 days of rain. It did rain. The windows of heaven were open, and certainly if these these geysers of water are shooting up, the fountains of the great deep, the reservoirs of water are shooting up, something was a catalyst to start all this, and basically it was just like a baseball unzipping all it seems, and the earth was shooting up these water, almost hypersonically these water uh, jets, That would have been coming down as rain, okay? So the world easily could have been flooded because we have plenty of water here today. So that's where the water came from. Most of it was subterranean water. In verse 12, it says, The rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now we know that the flood waters were rising much longer than that, but this was the time that the rain was happening, and then uh, the whole flood before the t- from the time they got on to the time they got off was at least a year. The ark settled down after 150 days onto a mountain, but they had to let the waters recede and also allow uh, the some of the plants to regenerate and to start regrowing so the animals had something to eat when they got off the ark. So what would this unzipping the, the waters of the great deep look like? In a scenario like this, you're going to see the sea creatures buried first, The smaller creatures buried first, and then the larger animals would be getting to high ground. They would have had a chance to escape until this final tsunami would have covered all of them. And that's why you see such a big bed of dinosaurs in the western states. It's a huge graveyard of dinosaurs. And then at a certain time, all of this would guarantee this huge trench in the middle of the ocean, all of the water receding into that deep, deep part of the ocean. Uh, For 4,300 years ago, the earth was catastrophically flooded. How do we know that? Because we have a 13-state area here in the United States filled with dinosaurs, and that attests not to the billions of years, but the billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the world. That's what we find today. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us. Geologists, secular geologists will tell you about every other story other than a global flood. They will never say global flood. They'll say asteroid. Um, The the Dinosaur National uh, Park in Utah, it says uh, in their their signage where there's this big bend in the river and all these dinosaurs are stacked up and you can actually see the dinosaurs still in situ. They say that all of that was caused uh, by a, a bend in the river and they just kind of all backed up there. Well, no, this was a catastrophic event, covering them rapidly, preserving them, fossilizing them, and it all fits the Bible, okay? It really does. So there are some people that claim to be Bible believers or Christians that say this was a local flood. So how would we say that that isn't what this was? Well, we already read the verses But there's some logic also I'd like to give you. How do we know this was a global flood, not a regional flood or a local flood? If it was a local flood and I had a really, really, really smart man who I really like and who's really smart in other areas tell me that it was a local flood. I said, well, then why wouldn't the people just have run to safety or the animals have run to safety or there's plenty of animals that weren't in that local flood? Why would there be an ark? It doesn't make sense. You know, for God to go through all that trouble and ask Noah to build an ark, it has to be more than just a regional or local flood, doesn't it? And then also, wasn't there a rainbow promised? A rainbow in the sky, and every time you see it, it's not to promote wickedness and uh, sexual perversion. Uh, The colors of the rainbow were to promise to never do that again to the earth. And if it was a local flood, God's broken his promise hundreds of times because there have been hundreds of local and regional floods since the flood of Noah. No, God was saying, I'm never gonna destroy the entire earth again with a flood. Just use some logic on some of those things, okay? And why do people hold to those views? Because what they're trying to do is fit the world's philosophy and theory into the Bible. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Trust the Lord. We have a reliable book. It has verified time and time again. Let's hold to this and not compromise on this, okay? All right, so Genesis seven seventeen, The flood was 40 days upon the earth. The waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon a face of the waters.
1: Embark on a journey to explore the inspiring story of the Exodus within grace. Call now for your free Exodus map 878 grace this map depicts the route of the Israelites during their escape from Egypt when you give $35 or more you'll receive the Exodus map and our brand new video series Exodus found where Jim Scudder jr. retraces the Exodus in Egypt and Saudi Arabia diving into the Red Sea to uncover evidence of the miraculous crossing for those giving $250 or more you will get the complete Exodus package The map, the video series, and a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. And from now until the end of the year, a generous donor will be doubling all gifts. To get these limited-time exclusive materials, call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047,
0: 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered. Now, let's stop here a second. 15 cubits, we know that that's like 20 feet. So we know that that's not enough to cover the hills, right? So what does this mean? I think it simply means that the ark, if it was 30 cubits tall, it went down about halfway down by load. So all the the load in the ark, the animals, it sunk down, still floating, obviously. And it also... Was able to cut uh, the mountains were covering enough for the ark to float by every obstacle below it until the mountains of Ararat would have raised up to kind of catch the ark is, is more of w- what likely happened. Now how do we know there was enough water? Well, we know that Bodhi Hodge already quoted this, but let me actually give you the quote and tell you who ga- who gave it. The famous sea explorer Jacques Cousteau, He said, Were the crust of the earth to be leveled, the great mountain ranges like the Himalayas and ocean abysses like the Marina Trench evened out, no land at all would show above the surface of the sea. Earth would be covered by a uniform sheet of water more than 10,000 feet deep. Okay? So is there enough water for the flood? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what happened to the water? Where did it go? Well, I think we get a clue in Psalm 104.6. Isn't it really cool when you can find clues in the Bible? Look at this clue. Psalm 104, verse 6. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke, they fled. At the voice of thy thunder, they hastened away. They go up by the mountains. Guess what you're finding on every mountaintop in the world? Sea creature fossils. Sea, sea creature fossils. That's unbelievable. Again, it fits the Bible. They go down by the valleys into the place which thou hast founded for them. I believe God had created a a mechanism that would open the ocean floors and and go so deep, I mean so deep, uh, that all the water would uh, be able to go down into the earth. Thou hast set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. And so it is that all of these questions have answers, don't they? And it all fits, it all fits the Bible. Well, I'm going to back up a few verses and talk about Noah going into the ark. Genesis 7 and verse 21, it says, And all flesh died that moved on the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man all those whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and the fowl of heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive and they that were with him on the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. So let me just bring this point, and we're going to close in a minute. Remember how in 2 Peter and in Matthew and in Luke, those passages from the New Testament from Peter and Jesus were talking about the end times and comparing it to the days of Noah. So we have a comparison here, don't we? What happened in the days of Noah? There was intense wickedness and violence, and people were opposing God in every which way whatever god says if god says marriage is for a man and a woman for life the world is going to tell you the opposite it's it, it, you know don't have to be married or you can you can have sex outside of marriage or two men can have sex you're going to you're going to say whatever is against god and then and then if you really want to go against god you can tell people that they can be any gender or any sex they want to be when the bible clearly says that god created the male and female and so it's it's not complicated, it's very simple. Why would people go against the Bible? Because they don't like God. They don't want to submit to what God has to say. They don't want to believe God. They don't want to worship him. They don't want to respect him. Well, that's a bad, bad, bad idea. Why? Because only the people that knew God, believed God, and obeyed God were saved from the flood. And if there's a future judgment coming, which Jesus and Peter tell us there's a future judgment I think the better thing to do instead of scoffing at the Bible is believe the Bible that there is a future judgment coming upon the entire earth. God won't destroy it with water, but he will destroy it with fire. And that is predicted. And there's also a fire that is reserved for those that reject God and reject his love. So what can you do? What can you do to be saved from the future judgment? So that's the question, right? We saw that millions and millions of creatures died During the flood, we find them buried all over the world. Some people say, well, where are the human remains? Remember, God said, I'm going to wipe man from the face of the earth. And I think he did a very good job. Maybe the humans were able to scramble up to higher ground, and that last wave hit them, and they, just like on 9-11, the bodies were pulverized. Okay, very likely, very possible. And so there is judgment coming. You say, well, then God is not nice. God is not gracious. God is not love. No, he is, but He, the doors only open so long. Eventually, the door closes. Genesis seven fifteen, and they went into, unto Noah into the ark, two by two of all flesh were in his breath of life, and they that went in went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Noah didn't shut the door of the ark. God shut the door of the ark, The door of salvation is open today. It's open today. The ark is a picture of Jesus. He will save anyone who walks through him, who trusts in him, who puts their faith in him. And then once you're inside, you're safe. You will survive the the judgments of fire and you will spend eternity with God in a new heaven and a new earth when all things, all the evil and all the sin and all the cancer and all the disease and all the wickedness is gone. And that's the day we should be living for. And there is a there is a day, there is a, a door, and that door is open today. Let me end with a, a clip from the Tour of Noah's Ark series, and this is me giving the gospel with a, the full-size ark behind me. I hope that today, this program has given you some answers. This is the picture of salvation. People are finding themselves hopeless. They're finding that they're, they're trying to satisfy their, their longings and they're not finding anything to satisfy it. Somebody said there's a God-shaped vacuum in our soul. We need God, but we're trying to find him by our own efforts, by our own way. There's only one way, and that's through the door. There was only one way for Noah and his family to go into the ark. They had to go through that door. But there was a time when that door closed. There is a coming judgment. You have a door that's open to you today. Jesus, the Son of God, said that he is the door. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life, that there's no other way to get to heaven, but by Him. You say, "Well, I'm not sure about all this." Here's here's my challenge to you: to say, "God, if you're real, show yourself to me." Jesus, the Son of God, came and died for your sins, and the door is open. And I just urge you and challenge you to walk through that door. You don't know when that door will close. The Bible says, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved." So The door is open today. Have you walked through? If you have, you're saved. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You're born again. You're safe, but if you haven't, do not delay. Put your faith in Jesus today. He is God in the flesh. He came and he died for your sins. He rose again. If you'll believe in him, the best you know how, just believe in him, you'll be saved, and that's the greatest news. And Once you're in the ark of Christ, uh, not to say that everything's going to be great. Certainly, they, they must have had some fearful moments on the ark the creaking and groaning and the the debris slamming into the ark and is this thing going to hold together and probably got some seasick animals and some seasick people but at the end of the day they were safe and that's uh, our life might be a little challenging at times and you might be a little disoriented at times but if you're in Christ you're safe and I hope that you do know Jesus as Savior and You can contact us if you have questions about that, 1-800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. Don't forget, we are going to be doing a Gather in Grace event this Saturday in the Dakotas in Mitchell, South Dakota at the Corn Palace. There's a free ticket at our website for you. We have music and food, and I'll be speaking about the end times. I can't wait to get out there and meet you. So that's ingraceradio.com. Click on Gather in Grace, and then pick either Mitchell, South Dakota, Dakota, which is this Saturday or in February in Arizona we would love to get to know you there at our gathering grace events in graceradio.com click on gather in grace and then while you're on our website i would love for you to order your free map of the route of the exodus there's been a lot of debate on whether or not Israel was even in Egypt. Of course, the Bible said they were, and God brought them out, and God parted the Red Sea. So, all of these are real stories, and we went to Egypt ourselves, our In Grace film crew and myself, and we went the route of the Exodus through the Sinai Peninsula. We dove in the Red Sea, and we actually went all the way over to Saudi Arabia. We're going to bring this to you, but I think you're going to need this big map that we've printed for you that shows the route, and it shows the details of why we believe this is the route. This is free. It's my way of saying thank you to you for listening. And tomorrow on In Grace, we're going to be playing part one of Exodus Found, our brand new series. Now, if you can give a gift of $35 or more, we're going to send you the map for free, but we're also going to include a video series, The Exodus Found, and I think you're going to really be blessed as you watch that. Now, for those of you that can give more, $250 or more, we're also going to send you a full-size, beautiful print. It's canvas print of The Parting of the Red Sea, and it was done by one of our artists. It's beautiful. I'm putting it on my wall, and I think you'll want this art on your wall to remember the power of God and how he can provide and how he can get you through the toughest points of life. You can call us at 1-800-78-GRACE or go to our website, ingraceradio.com. And right now, to the end of the year, we have a matching gift campaign. So whatever you give to In Grace will be doubled. I would love to hear from you right now.
1: Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map and the video series, Exodus Found. For gifts of $250 or more, you will also receive a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea Crossing. Also, a generous donor is matching all gifts until the new year. Call 800-78-GRACE. Visit ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace, P.O. Box 9. Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800 78 Grace, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on Ingrace Radio.